This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 18, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New for this year, 2017 opening day rosters, historic Negro League integration, run the ultimate what-if scenarios, tournaments, fall leagues, a redesigned injury system, an improved 3D game, real-time presentation, and game highlights, improved player morale, and team chemistry, and so much more. Out of the Park Baseball 18 has the full sleeper in the bust stamp of approval. We all play it and have for years. Even better, if you buy now through the Sleeper in the Bust podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, and just enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout to not only get a discount, but also help support the Sleeper in the Bust, indie sports video game development, and all the people who work to bring you the great game of Out of the Park Baseball 18. Once again, just go to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout for a special discount and to support our show. Guys, I, I'm obsessed with this game. It is so much fun. Um, I played a lot of OTP17. You guys have heard me talk about my Twitch streams, twitch.tv slash peacefor24. I was streaming my 17 franchise over there. I, I, I did a fantasy draft in 1995. I was able to get Ken Griffey Jr. and Pedro Martinez. I don't know what the computer was thinking there, uh, letting letting both of those guys get there. I took Pedro with my first pick and then and then got Ken Griffey Jr. I haven't started my new 18 one for um for streams yet, but I'm going to, and I'm actually just gonna gonna start over. I, I I won the World Series that first year with the with the 17 team, but I'm gonna start a new one. We'll do the draft at some point soon, so stay tuned for that. But out of the park is is just so much fun. You've heard me talk about uh, other baseball video games I like. It, they're they're two different experiences. This is the sim in depth management sort of deal, and then the other game is, is playing. So. I absolutely love this game. One last time, ootpdevelopments.com. Sleeper18 is, is your discount code. Uh, that lets them know that we, that we sent you there and they give you a little bit of uh, a little bit off the top as well. If you do play the game, let me know. Let me know what you're doing with it. Let me know what, uh, what team you're going with, whether you're starting historically or going from now. Uh, if you do the fantasy draft, hit me up on Twitter, at Spora. I love kind of seeing how people go because it, it doesn't just play out 100% to, to history. Things can change and you can have guys you know you can have a failed prospect that actually pans out for you so i I love seeing that stuff definitely hit me up there um and 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 thanks for supporting the show by by going to ootpdevelopments.com Hello and welcome to episode 481 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, July 25th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm flying solo again for the first time in a while. And I've got an interesting topic today. I think they're always interesting. That's why I came up with them. But um, I'm looking at a handful of guys, hitters and pitchers, to kind of get for the stretch drive. Now, they're not necessarily by low guys. Um... They're they're not necessarily cheap, but it's a group of guys that I think can be game changers, right? And it's it's not the obvious, you know, go get Mike Trout. I think if you get Max Scherzer, you're going to get some strikeouts from him. Like, it's obviously not that stupid, but, um, you know, you're going to hear these names. You're going to be like, okay, well, you know, I'm not going to get these guys at any sort of discount or whatever, and that's fine. I'm saying buy them because the skills that they have and have shown – leaves them capable um, and and puts the probability at a relatively high level that they can go off and carry you down these final two months and carry you being relative. It's really difficult in fantasy and in baseball in general for one guy to carry a team. I would say it's more plausible in fantasy than in um, on the field baseball, real life baseball, if you will. So there is that, but nevertheless, this is what we got here. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and get into those right now. Let's just start with the hitters. And the first one off the top, again, want to reiterate, 
I'm not saying these are buy low. I'm not saying these are necessarily inexpensive. I'm saying they're guys that I think you should get because they can they go pay for them, go pay the freight because they can be dominant game changers. First guy, Corey Seager. He's having a pretty good season, like a, a damn good season. Excuse me. I don't want to undersell it at all. It is right in line with what he did last year. But it's been a little bit quiet because it's just been same, same. You know, um, it's it's kind of weird how that happens in fantasy baseball. If you're not dominating and having like a breakout year um, above, a, above a previously established level, you don't get a whole lot of attention or unless you're on the other end. You're completely failing your 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 draft day price if you're just kind of doing what you're supposed to do you get a little bit overlooked and i think that's a little bit where Corey seager is right now and again overlooked doesn't mean discount um but it means maybe he's open for trade right because when he was flying high last year as a rookie putting up again pretty much the same numbers it was like whoa rookie 22 year old holy crap this guy's out of his mind and now most people realize that chris taylor's actually better so Corey seager's like a little bit under the radar because everyone realizes that chris taylor is unequivocally a better player right i mean that's not up for debate is it is there any doubt that chris taylor is like i don't know five times better than Corey seager I'm just kidding, obviously. Um, Chris Taylor is out of his mind, though. But Justin Turner and Cody Bellinger. You know, Bellinger is is this year's Seager, right? The rookie that's that's doing something spectacular and getting all the love. And Turner's out of his mind, hitting 369. Nice. Um, you know, absolutely decimating lefties. And then there is Taylor doing his thing. So those three guys are kind of kind of eating up all the uh, all the attention as far as the Dodgers offense goes and Corey Seager just ho-hum beasting out per usual a little little change in his plate skills a lot more walks this year and a few more strikeouts to go with it but the bottom line let's take a look at this triple slash 293 388 506 this year for Corey Seager 308 365 512 last year i understand that's six numbers boom 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 right at you let me just give you the bottom line 877 ops last year 894 this year you add in the fact that the offensive environment's a little bit different and we're talking 137 wrc plus each of the last two years uh 16 homers against three stone bases he had 26 and three last year so he might chip in a couple more steals maybe maybe he goes five this year um but the home run total should probably be somewhat similar i would imagine uh, let's see what he's actually pacing for i know paces are always dangerous um but it, obviously they're a lot more dangerous like on you know may 1st and always oh, pacing out for 78 home runs and 187 rbis 26 <laughs> he's pacing out for 26 and 5 so that you know that's where Corey seager is but it, so that's 10 more homers a couple more stolen bases and you know probably similar batting average but i think that's you know that's pretty much almost his floor you look at these these uh projections here they got 10 homers two stolen bases and a 285 average pretty much all of them zips has nine nine to ten all three have two stolen bases and 283 284 285 are the three different projections on our page for Corey seager so they're all in line that he's going to be really solid and and a strong asset down down the stretch but the upside, and, and it's plausible upside, right? Every guy has some dream upside, right? Chris Taylor hitting 500 plus for the past like month and a half or whatever. Obviously, there's no there's no projecting that, but it's not out of bounds to say to to envision a world where Corey Seager hits 330 with 15 homers. I still don't think the stolen bases are going to go much beyond two. That's just not part of his game. But in that offense, the runs and RBI totals are going to be through the roof as well. That We got him down on Zips, Steamer, and Depth Charts for 30s for both of them. 36 for both by Zips, 36 runs, 31 ribbies for Steamer, 35-32 for Depth Charts. You can get in the 40s with a, a, over 300 average and then pushing 15 homers. So I don't know. I just think as somebody that you go out you try to get you are going to pay significant cost of course but i don't think it's going to be cost prohibitive and that's kind of what we're what we're talking about here judge even as aaron judge has you know not been hitting a home run every other day 
he's still cost prohibitive. Whoever has him is going to want so much that it's going to decimate your team. It's not going to be worth it. I'm not so sure that's the case for Corey Seager. You know, I think you go out there and obviously it, it, it depends on your team makeup and, and what you need and what you can offer. Um, but top flight pitching is very expensive and, and you should feel comfortable asking for a lot for top flight pitchers. You know, so if you've got a James Paxton and he ended up being your third starter because you've got, you know, Chris Sale and, you know, I don't know, Michael Fulmer or, you know, you had a Luis Severino. Like, for example, I had a, I had a team or have a team, which is now in a little bit of peril, but uh, had Clayton Kershaw, Noah Syndergaard, James Paxton and Lance McCullers. I've since traded Paxton and McCullers already, already cashed those chips in. Um, obviously been without Thor for a minute and now going to be without Kershaw. So I'm in some trouble, but that sort of setup the the Paxton obviously is not as, as out of, uh, off the radar as say Severino, but he, but it wasn't costing you so much that you can't also have perhaps two studs. You could easily have Scherzer, Kershaw and Paxton. Uh, that's not even, not even a question. Like that's not even hard to have put together without, you know, while still having some offense. But if you want uh, a high impact guy like, like Corey Seager, I think you can say, Hey, James Paxton, Corey Seager, let's, let's talk. So he's the first guy I, I, we haven't seen. I don't think we've seen him like just really go off, be dialed in, be Chris Taylor esque for a while. So I, I, I think I'm out there trying to, uh, trying to get him if I can. Next up is a little bit of a different case. And again, I still don't think it's a buy low, though. So I'm, I'm just reluctant to say that on any of these hitters. But it's Francisco Lindor. And yes, he's hitting 262. So you can maybe, you know, goose it a little bit and say, you know, I'll give you a, I'll give you a third, fourth round value instead of second round value. And, and you shouldn't even be doing round values at this point anyway. Um, so I, I don't want to get too tied into that. Because things have changed so much, like, you know, what was James Paxton a tenth rounder? Well, he's not a tenth round value anymore. So that, that's why I say X round value doesn't mean you go back look at the draft board and say, hey, this this guy was in the third round, so I will give you him. Um, and another thing, by the way, most important thing about trades from this point on, and pretty much from the last month or so as well, the standings matter especially in a redraft, right? I'm, I'm talking mostly to you redraft folks here. Keeper leagues are a completely different dynamic that uh, has so many variables that they're not even worth trying to dig into on a podcast. Um, so we're talking redraft. The standings are all that matter, okay? I don't care what the draft day value was uh, on a guy. How is it going to help you? Well, how is it going to change your outlook and help the other team? You know, that, that marriage of helping his team in the categories that, that they need and helping your team in the categories that you need. That's the balance that you have to strike. Not, well, you traded Francisco Lindor for, um, you know, Scott Shebler and, and Rysel Iglesias and Francisco Lindor was a second round pick and neither of those guys were anywhere close. Well, yeah, but home dude needs power and saves and I don't know why I came up with two reds and Shelburne's probably not a go. And I'm not saying that that's the deal either. I can't, I'm not good at coming up with deals just off the top of my head like that. But if a deal like that came across, I think people would instantly want to veto because the Lindor name is so standout in comparison. And, and Shebler is seen as like a nobody. I mean, he's certainly come back to earth. He's hitting 236 now, but everybody has 22 homers. Uh, Rysel has been an elite closer though. 146 ERA, 0.93 whip. Uh, 17 saves. I guess that's the part that's tough, though, the 17 saves. Anyway, the, the, the particulars of this fake deal that is crappy that I came up with doesn't matter. My point is that the standings do. Francisco Lindor, I think he's starting to get his groove back a little bit, too. That's why I want to I wanna jump in here. Before, before he has a few more three, four-hit games, and all of a sudden Francisco Lindor's back up at 295 in the blink of an eye because I, I think it's coming. I think he's still going to end the season at 290 or higher. Um, he got power happy. He got, you know, it's it, it's a perfect comp because he's Cleveland and the movie was Cleveland, but he, he went Willie Mays Hayes. He got the taste of some power and he's like, I'm a power hitter now. It's like, well, Francisco, no, you're not, man. You can hit 15 in this, in this game. And, uh, and with the power environment that we have right now, you can hit 20. 
while still doing your thing. But don't be trying to hit 30. Come on, man. That's not who you are. You go out there and you hit you hit 290 plus with your with your upper teens homers, ton of steals, ton of runs, handful of ribbies. That's and and superstar defense, of course. That's what makes him the elite player that Francisco Lindor is. So I'm out there trying to buy him. I think as he starts to collect more hits, the stolen bases will go up, and I could see double digits the rest of the way. He hasn't run a whole lot this year. He only has five, or excuse me, five attempts. He's four for five, and so that's definitely down. And that's uh, so I would be careful, you know, inking in ten plus steals the rest of the way. But it, we're talking about upside potential here. We're trying to cash in. We're trying to get guys that can really, really send us up the standings uh, on different things. Now, don't get him ju- if if speed is your primary need. Then Francisco Lindor is not your guy. Go go get an actual rabbit. Hell, even Jonathan Villar would be a, would be a better scoop at that point. Rajay Davis, um, and outside of the obvious, D. Gordon, Billy Hamilton. But if you're just kind of honestly, I would say if if batting average. And by the way, Todd Zola does a great job talking about this regularly on on multiple podcasts. He has one over at Rotowire, and he's a regular guest on the Baseball HQ podcast. He talks about how you can still move in the rate stats. There is this common misconception that. Uh, the rate stats are locked after July or some crap. And it's like, no, they're not. Uh, because they're usually the most tightly compacted that you can still move plenty. Um, and because y- you look, it doesn't take a whole lot to, I'm looking at my batting average one right now. And, you know, I don't even have to go crazy. I don't, my, my team wouldn't even have to go crazy in this, uh, NL or not the, uh, the 11 team mixed league that I was telling you about with all those pitchers to get five points. My, my batting average would not have to be out of bounds like if i just get my stars to keep starring and a couple other of the disappointments to to get going or if i picked up a a trade somewhere i could get five points now that's my standings your standings will differ but but don't write off the ratios i hear that way too often i'm punting ratios i'm too far behind i'm in the middle of the pack here i'm no 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 you can still make a dent on era whip batting average obp all of it so Francisco Lindor, if you're if you're trying to attack batting average, I still think he's a good target for it. He's now hitting. Uh, oh, I just had it and I got rid of it like a doof. I'll just do this. Uh, last 28 days, 303 average for Francisco Lindor. So, um, and and in comparison to Seager, he might come a little bit cheaper, but don't don't expect it to be some sort of, you know. Uh, found found money there, some some sort of major discount for Francisco Lindor. So, a couple of shortstops there, Seager and Lindor, two guys I'm looking at. By the way, I would also take a look. This is not like an official one, but uh, the other Seager, Kyle Seager. You know, he's really he's not having a great year, especially by the standards that that he's been you know upholding the last several years. Kyle Seager has kind of been like trickling up a little bit each year, uh, particularly with his home run total. That's very unlikely at this point this year he would need 17 homers to do that but it's not completely out of bounds either now i don't know if he has a 17 homer in two month stretch ever i'm looking at i'm gonna look at last year's log just to see if there was any instance of that no because he literally hit five homers in every single month last year he was a freaking metronome um and that's that's one of the beauties of kyle seager and so you know the 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 supercharged run probably not as likely that's why I didn't make him an official guy but but I would still I'd still be acquiring him cuz it feels like a disappointment he has only hit 255 but that's in the range of outcomes for a guy that hit, hits 265 for his career and hit 278 last year that was the high end this is the low end like that's perfectly normal so if you're super disappointed with what you got from Kyle Seeger I think you might have had outsized expectations because everything he's doing even the 22 homer pace for kyle seager uh is is in the range of ex- uh, outcomes like per- perfectly in the range of outcomes just look at his career and and yes he was he was stair-stepping his home run totals but there was nothing to suggest that that had to continue that was more just like a interesting pattern as opposed to skills improvement every year so uh yeah kyle seager more of like an ancillary one next up Another Cleveland Indian, Edwin Encarnacion, um, has certainly already gotten his season back on track, but few guys get hotter than than 
Edwin when, when he's on one. And he's already had at least one such streak this year, and I, I, I think a couple, actually, where, where he's just gone absolutely batshit. And, and th- those are fun. Those are fun when, when Edwin's going off. Um, let me see here. I'm trying to pull up the one here. He had a little two-week stretch there where he hit seven homers in 12 games back from June 9th to June 20th, which was nice. Uh, he had one a little bit earlier. It wasn't quite as as toasty. Uh, it was just a, a week-long stretch with four homers to kind of get himself back on track. That was back when he was hitting under 200, and it was like, oh, it's May 15th. What's up with this guy? He had that big week to kind of jumpstart him, and then he's been pretty solid since. In fact, from the time after that that little streak, which ended on May 23rd. So from May 24th on, he's at 297, 400, 538 with 11 homers. That is Edwin Encarnacion, which you pace that out to a full season, and that's Edwin perfectly, 35 and 112 with 121. But I really like this Cleveland team. Uh, I'm totally in on buying pieces of it. I think they're going to have a really strong stretch the last two months of the season. And I think Edwin can be a big part of that, Um, you know, you're gonna you're gonna pay what he costs. There's nothing. the The buy low opportunity on Edwin is is months expired at this point. But I'm fine paying normal market rate because he can get crazy. Like he can go. He can really go off. And you know, let me see. I'm I'm gonna look up some another thing here because I don't want to go too far out of bounds with what I'm gonna say about the potential of uh of a streak here so let me see what he did last year yeah we did that that i mean with two with two plus months left i don't think it's out of bounds to see a potential of i mean not quite 20 i i I, i'm struggling to i want to say 20 i want to say like maybe he could hit 21 homers and reach 50 i'm i can't really go that far. i'm gonna say more like like 16 17 but then, as Ron Chandler says, you're a few more gusts of wind uh, from from pushing it to 20. Of course, you can go the other way, too, and end up getting 13 instead, which is what he's pacing out for. Um, but, you know, that's the kind of, like, no one would be surprised if Edwin Encarnacion hit 20 homers down the stretch. That's the thing. It is in the potential outcomes even though it is not the highest probability. But there is still a very high probability of the 13 that he's pacing for with, say, a 275 average and a boatload of ribbies and runs because of that ball club. He's got two steals this year, too, by the way, which is interesting. He always chips in a couple steals. Just noteworthy for fun, not not for anything fantasy-related. Although maybe he gets that one steal that changes your outlook in October. So Edwin Encarnacion, another guy that I'm buying right now, you know, even at market cost because of, of just the, 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 the kind of devastation he can have. And, you know, we talk a lot about guys who are inconsistent uh, and whatnot. The large majority of baseball players are inconsistent by nature. And the 162-game season, the ebbs and flows are there for just about everybody. There are a few guys that are really, you know um, – what we would call consistent. Like if you really looked at it by numbers, I don't know if you would want to do like fantasy points per week or, or, or what, but you know, everyone's going to have that cold snap. First off, it's just how long is the cold snap and are you going to have multiples for the season? And that I know there are some guys who are very streaky, you know, Randall Gritchick is in one of his, his, his Gritchick surges right now. He's got homers in four straight games. I wrote about him in the road write up pointing out that whenever he comes back, he loves to go ham. Whenever he comes back from the DL or from the minors, he goes off. And then he usually kind of comes back to earth. Now we'll, we'll see what happens. But just in his last, just since last year, uh, when he came back on July 5th, he went off for a 31-point appearance streak where he had a 12-19 OPS. And then he had to come back again from the minors on August 12th because he got sent back out again. And he had a 26-plate appearance streak where he had a 1385 OPS. And then earlier this year when he returned from the minors, he went off for 24-plate appearances. And then so far since coming back from the DL on July 21st, and I posted this a couple days ago, he'd already had back-to-back homers or or, uh, games, excuse me, 
homers in back-to-back -back games, and now he's added two more, so four homers in four games for Randall Gritchick. So, um, you know, there is uh, guys who are volatile. I think Edwin Encarnacion is like somebody who can just have these piercing hot streaks, and the reason he's so good though is that usually his cold streaks aren't uh, aren't end of the world. But he had one this year where he was, you know, through May 15th. It was pretty rough. Uh, so anyway, next up's Matt Carpenter. And this is probably a little bit of a popular one. Depends depends who has him in your league and, like, kind of how much they're looking at the next level numbers. Because I, I, think, I think a lot of folks will be on board with this one, especially, you know, our readers and listeners. Because you're looking at, at the batted ball profile stuff and you're seeing that he's actually got the ball in the air more. And he's hitting the ball even harder. 50% fly ball rate for Matt Carpenter. 44% hard contact rate. Pulling the ball 46% clip. Like, where are the homers? There should probably be more. But he's at 11% homer to fly ball ratio, which is meh. That's, you know, it's average thereabout. Um, so he has 14 homers, but he only has a 248 average, too. The, the, the way that he hits the ball, Matt Carpenter should be kind of a mix of solid batting average which is his 270s not saying he's going to go crazy beyond that but he has 272 272 271 the last three years with the power 28 and 21 homers the last two years only 14 so far this year he did have a little quad thing they said it was dehydration he was back in the lineup today being tuesday um i think matt carpenter can can go off and 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 actually still get to the 270 mark for the end of the year which would mean a surge of of something beyond that uh obviously you know in the in the 290s low 300s like i don't think that's out of bounds and you pair that with 12 13 homers on a solid offense now it depends which way the cardinals go if you know they've they've shown some life here and there um i don't know how good the team is but the offense seems to you know tommy Pham is the best player in, in the history of baseball all of a sudden paul de young um great first name but wants to keep making me look stupid because i i'm still a little bit suspect of it uh with the plate skills that he has or doesn't as it were uh the aforementioned randall gritchuk uh, dexter fowler did just go in the dl jet jerko's having a good season so they, i mean they have a decent offense we'll see where they go that'll help you know drive obviously carpenter's runs and rbi totals but great obp so runs are going to be there even if the offense isn't great he's always on base matt carpenter is so i really like him as a pickup the only thing that makes it a little bit tough is first base is so rich this year that um, you probably already have first base and corner locked up. That said, he did get uh, he does have second base eligibility dating back from last year with forty games and then ten games this year. So that's where that's the avenue that you'd want to look um, to to thrive with Matt Carpenter. As far as I'm concerned. You know, even he's not, he has not been great this year. Even second base, which is not deep by any stretch, he's only 22nd among second baseman on the ESPN player rater. And that's because his batting average is 248 for Matt Carpenter, and he's uh, pretty much a, a zero in stolen bases. He's got two, whatever, nothing. So two categories down, and he hasn't been excelling in, in the others right now. I, th I think he's poised for a big run. He, the, the plate skills are there. And maybe the season runs out on him before things catch up, but he also has a career low 273 Babbitt. Part of that is hitting the ball in the air so much, uh, but he's not an infield pop-up guy. He's not a pop-up guy at all. So there's there's more here. This is a batted ball profile that you kill for, and Matt Carpenter has it. And I'd be I'd be definitely open to buying him. Now again, I don't want to say buy low because that has a connotation that you're going to get him for like cheap, but I don't think you have to pay a ton. And I would push back if, if somebody was asking for some crazy prices. So, you know, see if, if, if you're in an OBP league, obviously it's a no-brainer and he will cost more because his OBP is still 378. But if you're in an at batting average league, I don't think it's going to be hard to pry him away from somebody um, outside of whether or not they listen to something like this or watch uh, his or follow his numbers on, on his page and see the batted ball profile. So Matt, Matt Carpenter. The last hitter before we get into some pitchers is uh, Chris Davis with a K. The real Chris Davis, Crush Davis. Um, I guess the Baltimore one goes by Crush as well. No, whatever. Anyway, I love K. Davis. He's awesome. 
He's just he just is who he is, and he just keeps raking. Um, he's basically matching what he did last year. But again, he can completely go off. He's got 28 homers right now. He had 42 last year, so he's certainly behind pace. And I think he's starting to get dialed in, you know. And and when he does, when he's on his hot streaks, now he he ebbs and flows a bit, and some of these. You know, all or nothing power guys. By the way, he's he's projected for 46, so he's actually right on pace with last year. Okay. I didn't think he was pacing that well. My bad on that one. Sorry. He's actually pacing for more than last year. I'm crazy. Well, he's been awesome. And, you know, with two plus months left, I don't think 20 is out of bounds. Hell, if he's pacing for 18, then of course 20 is not out of bounds, Paul. Um, but I'm, I'm saying, you know, he could make a serious push at 50. Chris Davis could. And again, we're talking about upside here. We're talking about, you know, a lower probability outcome, but we're buying the skills that can yield such an outcome. Does that make sense? Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to, I don't know. I think I think you guys get it. I don't think I have to over-explain it. He's got 12 homers in the last two months, seven this month in a, in a shortened month, though, so that makes it a little bit more impressive, seven in 19 games in July, but just a 219 average. He had a 299 average last month, 186 in May, 268 in April, so his batting average bounces around for sure, but the power's always there. And, you know, we talk about how readily available power is this year and how it's easy to find and, Everybody hits for power, but somebody's last in home runs, right? Some of y'all are are down in the bottom half of home runs, and you might still be competing. I'm going to reference it again just because I'm on that page still, that that mixed league team where I told you I had all the pitching. I'm tied tied in fourth, but I have the second fewest homers. So, you know, I got Giancarlo Stanton doing all he can. Um, I've had Yonder Alonso for most of the year. But it kind of stops there. Oh, and George Springer, who might be hurt. And Travis Shaw. So I got four guys. But that's it. That's, I've only got four guys with 20-plus homers. And I feel like the teams that are, are you know dominating in power. Um, you know, let's, let's just take a look at the guy in fifth in power. This guy in big green. Um, he's got 200 homers. Everybody's going to have like five guys. One. Two, three. He only has three twenty plus, but then nineteen, nineteen, and uh, a fourteen out of his catcher uh, in Mike Zunino, which is which is pretty good when you when you factor in per plate appearance uh, and the fact that catchers play less. Oh, and he has Joey Gallo twenty three on his bench, so he does have four, and he probably got a bunch of those Joey Gallos because he only recently made a trade to get Gallo out of his everyday lineup. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, you can have competing teams that still need power, and I don't think you're going to find somebody with Chris Davis's upside on the waiver wire. You can you can plug in some homers to kind of keep pace and maybe gain a point or two, but if you want to surge up, which I actually have the capability to do with this team because, I mean, I have 178, and the, two, the 200 is probably out of range, um, but there's four points in front of him that are eight homers away. So, and again, that's just my standings. That's a one-off. But you look at your standings, you see where you need. And and standings analysis is a very important part of pickups and trades the rest of the way, of course. And there has been now, again, probably since about June 1st, you really want to start looking at that as opposed to just amassing talent. And so um, I think Kairos Davis, Crush Davis, can make can make a big impact. And maybe I'll trade for him. Let's see who has him in this league, and I'll tell you guys if he's a jerk or not. I'm just kidding. It's, it's a good league. A lot of cool people. Let's see here. Oh, no, this guy has him. Oh, this mf -er. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, He's got him. Let's see. Guys, I'm going to make a trade here on on the air. No, I'm kidding. Oh, he's also got Matt Carpenter. Oh, he's in third, though. He's just ahead of me. Wonder. I, I don't have any more pitching to give him, though. And that's, of course, that's exactly what he needs. Damn, we are a perfect match for a trade. But I just lost Kershaw. I just, I don't have it. I don't have the arms anymore. Oh my God, he's got another guy that's on this list. Oh my God, this guy's going to win the league. He's got another pitcher on this list that's coming up. 
Holy crap. I need Noah Syndergaard to come back tomorrow and be himself from day one. I know that's not happening. Um, I'm effed. My, my pitching is decimated. So like, I felt pretty good about trading McCullers and Paxton in that league because I thought I made good deals. Both got hurt. Paxton's obviously back to being 100% the studly beast that he was uh, earlier in the year. But, um, you know, McCullers has fallen on hard times. But I'm toting. This is an 11-team mixed. I'm, I'm toting right now. Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, Greg Holland, Kenley Jansen, uh, Jordan Montgomery, Charlie Morton, Yenjin Ryu on a two-start, Taiwan Walker, and Brad Brock. I got a hell of a lot of closers. Maybe I need to um, liquidate these saves and get some players. All right. Anyway, so those are the hitters that I'm looking at that I'm trying to pick up right now that I think can can play above their level at you know play a couple standard deviations above their level. Like be you know if 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 you be second half all stars so to speak, right? If they had an all star game at the end of the year and they based it on from July 18th on, or or put put a lot of the focus on that because I know the the uh, real all-star game doesn't just look at the first three months, but for the most part, it, it f- focuses heavily on that. So if we were doing a secondary one, I think all five of these guys have the skills to make them very worthy of that. So again, it's Corey Seager, Francisco Lindor, Edwin Encarnacion, Matt Carpenter, and Chris Davis with a K out in Oakland. All right, let's talk some pitching now. And I got a handful of guys here that I'm interested in. That I think can uh, can can really go go ham down the stretch here. Now I think it's actually I don't want to say easier. I don't know. Maybe maybe that is maybe it is just easier. Pitchers I think are more likely to kind of play several levels um, ab- above their their given level in a short sample to to really kind of change the landscape of things. Um, but maybe that's. Maybe that's BS under scrutiny, but it, it feels like it, right? You, you see a guy go ten starts with a with with a with a two ERA and a boatload of strikeouts and a great WHIP. Hell, you see Mike Leak do that, not the boatload of strikeouts thing, but like he can do that, and then he eventually kind of meanders back to his level. You know, I don't know. I guess Chris Taylor's doing that right now. I keep bringing up Chris Taylor. I love Chris Taylor. He's been awesome. I have him on three teams too. I got I got in kind of early too. One was out of necessity, and the other two are just like you know what I'm gonna do it. I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna go ahead and get Chris Taylor. Anyway, first starter Chris Archer. Again, not coming cheaply, and the first two guys are gonna be expensive, flat out. I mentioned earlier that pitching is expensive, and getting ace caliber fantasy ace caliber guys. And I know he's got a 3.77 ERA, but Chris Archer, whether he is or not. You can debate that, but he's perceived as such in the market. And that's, frankly, all that matters because we're talking about what you have to pay in the market. So you can debate all day long that he's not a fantasy ace because he doesn't have a good enough ERA, blah, 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 blah. But when you go knocking on the door and trying to get Chris Archer, you'd best believe you're paying top-tier prices. And it's because of that strikeout rate, uh, the 124 whip still certainly plays. And the upside's there. It's been a little bit, you know, like the overall skills there are, are primed for a surge. I can totally see it. Hell, you just look at the FIP. I know not everyone's bought in on the uh, on those metrics, the, the, the FIP and the Sierra and, and the FIP minus and the DRA and all that. Uh, but they all have their merits, by the way. And so if, if you really, if you're 100% out on them, I would, I would push you to kind of reexamine that and maybe figure out why you are and, and figure out what gaps you need filled to kind of understand what you, what, well, I don't know. I don't know. You might fully understand it and still think it's total BS, but I, th- I think that when you're talking about projecting forward and when we're looking at skills, well, all it is, is really a, a, a way to crystallize the skills. And he's got a 309 Archer does in, in comparison to his 377 area, which is saying that these skills are better than the results they've generated. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to come back to the fit, but it certainly can. And he had a 290 fit two years ago. He had a 381 last year, which is not amazing, but it was still 20 points below his uh, 402 ERA. So somebody like this who who tracks with the lower fit totals and has the elite strikeouts, the, the devastating stuff, 
it's just not hard to envision, you know, uh, what, 12 more starts down the stretch here, uh, 12, 13 more starts where Chris Archer could just go off. Like, that's not hard to envision at all. Now, the one thing that's been a little bit troubling this year is that he just, I don't know, he just doesn't have enough, he just doesn't have enough starts of, of, uh, like, zero through two earned runs. Like, those, those great starts, like, Hell, you can go five innings, and if it's if it's one earned run, it's obviously still a great ERA. Um, it's hard to have a bad outing when you give up zero to two earned runs. So zero, one, and two. Um, even three, a lot of times, is still good. But he's but he pretty much always has like threes. You know, um, let's see here. We got six, three, two, four, two, four, two, four, three, 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 two, one. Um, so just just a couple there. Just what, what's that? Four. In the last two months, excuse me, in the last three months, his last 13 starts, eh, you know, and it's a 425 ERA. It's a stone's throw away from just being a six and three sort of guy. Boatload of strikeouts, 108 strikeouts and 82 and two thirds innings for Chris Archer in that stretch. And that was an arbitrary stretch. I didn't, I mean, you could look at the whole season. He was better in the first month. Four of his first six starts were, were the, the one or two earned run variety, but mixed in a a four and a five there, and that's that's just it though. He seems to always mix in the four, the five, or the six. Um, he's only got one six this year, so I don't want to be unfair to him there. But the the fours and the fives always seem to be there, and like the 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 true aces avoid those more regularly and end up with the low threes, sub three ERA type. But Archer's skills are absolutely there to do that, especially in a shortened sample. We're not talking about him doing it for the full year at this point. We're talking about him doing it for two-plus months, and you best believe that it's, that it's certainly plausible. Um, and again, I don't want to say flat-out likely because we haven't seen it this year, but um, you know the probability is, is pretty high that he can go off. He's been 21st on the ESPN Player Raider this year, an elite arm for sure. I'm buying Chris Archer. Carlos Carrasco is another one, and I I put these two, like I was just kind of making my list of the guys, and when I had these two, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense because they're, they're kind of similar in that when they're on, they look like top five pitchers in the game, but they always seem to hit those road bumps with, with stunning regularity. Now, Carrasco is more of the big road bump guy. He's got the zero through two earned run outings piled up. He's got tons of them. He's got... 12 in his 19 starts this year um excuse me 13 out of 19 and eight outings of a 65 plus game score this year game score is not perfect by any stretch it's the 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 bill james metric um but i think it it's a it's a good shorthand to have an idea of of how good a start was i think i i do i do like it for that just to give you a good idea like you can't have a bad start with a 65 game score there are no starts where you're like, mm, that wasn't that good, but he got a 65 game score. So that's why I use that as a cutoff. And he's and Carrasco has eight of those this year. Um, thirteen player, only thirteen pitchers have more. Sale and Kershaw with fourteen, Scherzer with thirteen, Alex Wood, Irvin Santana, and Jacob Degrom with ten. Strasburg, Severino, Ray, Paxton, Nelson, Kluber, Granke all have nine. And then um, Darvish, Keiko, and Lester are tied with Carrasco at eight. So elite, right? Like that's elite company. And he's been an elite pitcher this year. He's 11th on the ESPN player rater, uh, dis- I would say despite a 362 ERA because he has a 110 whip, 10.0 strikeouts, and 117 innings. But again, that ERA just isn't quite the elite level that it could be. And you look at it, that's been the case the last three years, 15 and 16 as well. He's got a 352 ERA against a 331 FIP, and, a, and he still has a 111 whip during all of it. But those blow-ups, like when he's off, he's way off. And oftentimes it's accompanied by an injury, and so he had to leave early. And so he only put pitched three innings, six runs, and he's out. Um, you know, three and a third, eight runs in Texas because of three homers. Six and a third, five runs in Oakland because of two homers, but still 10 strikeouts, two walks. So, you know, that's the frustrating part. But nobody, nobody would be surprised if he goes off and posts a sub three 
for the remainder of the season with elite strikeouts and piles up a boatload of wins. He's already got 10. He's 10 and 4 this year because Cleveland's awesome for Carlos Carrasco. So I'm definitely looking to add him. I know I'm paying the, paying the toll. But if I need pitching, hell yeah. I still think he'll come cheaper than uh, Scherzer, Sale, Granke, and a teammate Kluber. And probably even Alex Wood. I know Alex Wood had the one bad start, but nobody worth their salt as a fantasy owner is freaking out over one bad start. I don't care that it was against Atlanta. He's, you know, he was due for one. And yes, I do believe that he, he was due for one. You know, John Smoltz says guys have their elite stuff for 10 starts. Some stuff, you know, a pitch or two is working very well for another 10 starts. And then they got nothing for 10 starts. Generally speaking, the, uh, you know, uh, in a given season, that's kind of how you parse it out. Um, obviously, the dream seasons are the ones where the guy has his ace stuff for like 15 starts and maybe doesn't have anything for like three starts or something like that. But over the course of a, of a 30 to 32 start season, every starting pitcher is going to have a start where it's like nothing's clicking. Nothing. No fastball command, no secondary, or, or even if you have the secondary, if you don't have the fastball, you're not getting to it. And it, and it doesn't mean the end of the world. And just because Alex Wood is kind of a surprise this year, his first bad start does not mean the beginning of the end. But anyway, I'm just saying, I think he'll cost more. I even think Jacob deGrom probably costs more than Carlos Carrasco. But that's, there's not many others. Uh, so you're about right there. And then you're, you're, so you're still paying a heavy toll for Carlos Carrasco. But I really like him. In fact, you know, Kluber's going to be super expensive. If you can afford him, of course, get him. Get any of the three. Kluber, Carrasco, or Danny Salazar. Get any of the three Cleveland Indians. And those are the costs ranking Kluber Carrasco Salazar so if you're a bit high spender if you got the the big bucks there and big bucks meaning the the bats to trade um is what I would presume it would be then you can get Kluber if you're you're well off but you're not super rich you can get Carrasco if you're a little bit more poor you're looking at Salazar but I still love Salazar uh, we talked about him on Saturday frustrates me at times but I still keep going back to the well that Saturday start was amazing and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Salazar is going to be that guy the entire year because that'd be BS uh, the rest of the year, I should say. But it's in the range. It's 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 in the 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 possibilities because his stuff was so good and the fastball he was commanding it so brilliantly that if he gets gets hot, he can have 12 great starts. So I like all three Cleveland Indians. Charlotte disagrees. She's whining. I don't know why she's whining. It's nowhere near her food time and i took her out before this podcast so charlotte zip it oh never mind she was saying okay i misinterpreted her she was saying that you're going to pay the same for carrasco as you would for kluber i told them charlotte gosh this dog just always forcing her points anyway so carrasco and archer and then we jump down a, a level right not not too much because i don't want to sell jimmy nelson short for what he's been doing remember when i was reading off that list of guys with uh, 65 plus game scores. He's got nine starts. He's he's he was in that group just ahead of Carrasco, tied with Kluber, Grinky, Paxton, Robbie Ray, Severino, and Strasburg. Jimmy Nelson's having a great season. I remember when I wrote him up, kind of investigating what's going on, and I, I I didn't find a whole lot. And I was like, I don't. There was no smoking gun, that was for sure. But it was just like a lot of little incremental things, and then boom, all of a sudden he's having a great year. And it's skill-supported like crazy, too. 27% strikeout rate, 6% walk rate, both are career bests. 12% swinging strike rate, also a career best. Um, he got his homers down from last year. He was at 1.3. This year, he's at 0.97. BABIP is still high, and so he still has a pretty high hits per nine, 8.8 .8 for, for somebody pitching as well as Jimmy Nelson is. But 343 ERA and 123 whip, you got to dig it. And... Um, because I don't think he'll cost you an arm and a leg, I'm in. I'm in on buying him uh, for the stretch run and figuring that he can he can continue to beast out. Now, for Jimmy Nelson, I don't even know that it's a situation where he has to play markedly better than he's been playing this year. But if he keeps that level, that alone will be a windfall because I don't think you're going to have to pay a price commensurate with these numbers. You're still paying a hell of a lot more than you would have paid for Jimmy Nelson if you were buying him from somebody in April, but I don't think you're paying top top 25 starter level, which is where he's been. So in that realm, there is a little bit of a discount. 
but at by no means a buy low. But Jimmy Nelson, I like him. Last 11 starts, 31% strikeout rate, 5% walk rate, 54% ground ball rate. I love that strikeout ground ball combo. Uh, the, the ground balls are part of why his, his hits are high, so defense could tighten up for him. But um, 30% hard contact rate, 13% swing strike, 36% O swing. So, you know, he's, he's fooling guys too. I like, I like what I've seen from Jimmy Nelson this year. Now these next three guys, well, hang on. This is probably similar level here because name value. Now this is interesting because like Garrett Cole probably costs you more in the market right now than Jimmy Nelson, despite Jimmy Nelson having a markedly better season. And that's, that's just market dynamics, fair or unfair, right or wrong. So maybe test the market on both. See where Jimmy Nelson's price is at. Uh, or, or maybe, I guess whoever you want more first, go see what their price is at and then check in on the other guy. Um, you know, I would push back a little bit if, if someone was going too hard on, on Garrett Cole trying to charge me. I'd say, listen, I'm going to pay you handsomely, but I'm not paying you on a level of 2015 of like this this just bona fide stud. I obviously want him, so don't ever, don't badmouth the guy you're trying to get. I hate when people do that. Listen, this guy freaking sucks, but I'll take him from you. Don't do that. Don't 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 be that guy or gal. But you know, you can stand your ground if someone's saying give me top 20 pitcher value cuz he hasn't been anywhere near that. Um but you can pay top 40 whatever whatever that is. Um you know, you can pay you can pay something there. Last eight starts for for Garrett Cole. 50 and a third innings, uh, 46 strikeouts, 304 ERA. He's been pretty good. Only one. Uh, so seven of the eight starts are one or two earned run outings and then a shellacking of seven earned runs against San Francisco of all teams. So he does have that 304 ERA, but he's been fantastic. The problem is for Garrett Cole this year, when it goes bad, it goes really bad. Three outings of seven earned runs, uh, six starts under a 40-game score. And similar to the 65 threshold on the uh, on the upper end, on the lower end of 40, you can't have a good start. Like there, there's nothing you can do to have a 40 game score where you're, or, or sub 40 as it were, because these are these are all under 40 to where you're like, oh, that was okay. The best of that bunch would probably be the one where against the Mets, he had five innings, ten hits, four runs, one walk, three strikeouts, and and three homers. The homers themselves don't hurt you. Um, you know, like they in fantasy any more than just the run. So I'm not pointing them out as they were extra or anything, but that was the best of the, of those sub 40 game scores. Well, the best was technically uh, one point higher because the whip was a little bit lower, but he allowed an extra earned run. Either way, the point is Garrett Cole, when it's been off, it's been way off this year, but I'm still looking and I still see, okay, 14 starts out of 21, are two or fewer earned runs. So the top level is still there. You know, I don't know if the the Pirates surging to 500 right now and kind of getting themselves back in the mix here drives him or anything like that, but he's been a big reason behind it, that's for sure. Like I said, those last eight starts have been fantastic. So with those last eight starts in mind, maybe I'll up the price I would pay because I was saying top 40 because that's about what he's been for the season. You know, anyone you're trading with is going to acknowledge, say, hey, you know, he's been pitching a lot better of late. The asking price is up a little bit. But again, don't don't go insane because the one thing I, the one little area of caution I have, even during the hot start for, or the hot run for Cole, is 46 strikeouts and 50 and a third. I still, like, he's never been a huge strikeout guy, though, so that's kind of in line with who he is. But damn, when I watch him, I'm like, your stuff is like 11 strikeouts per nine level stuff. But, it just it just doesn't work that way right now. But Garrett Cole is still somebody I would buy. So Nelson and Cole are kind of their own level. And then another jump down to these last two guys. These are the ones where you know if you if you don't have a ton to offer up um, in trade, you can get these guys on 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 a cheaper level. And the first one is Tanner Roark. Now he has not had a good season. And if you didn't buy in on him buy in on him last year, you're looking at this year saying, ha, "I told you so." Listen, I know he had a 2.83 ERA last year, and that's not his true talent level. The 3.79 FIP points to that as well. And just the just looking at the base skills, you don't even have to look at the FIP. You just look at the skills, and you're like, okay, 
you know, you got to you got to run pretty hot to keep a sub three ERA, but a mid threes, that is perfectly fine. That's more than plausible for the skills that he has. And I know three three seven nine is a little bit beyond mid threes, but again, a stone's throw away from it. He's at four eighty three ERA this year, but a four ten fit. So we're we're only point three. We're not even half a run higher because the skills are nearly identical. The strikeout rate is up a tick, as is the walk rate. But the home run and hit rates are way up, and I don't. I'm not going to sit here and say that's that has been bad luck. I've watched some of the Tanner Roark starts that have gone south, and it's because he's he's pitched poorly. Like, yeah, 307 Babbitt is his career high because he's pitching poorly. There might be some bad luck mixed in, but a 307 isn't so high that like, oh, that's that's crazy. That's a bunch of bleeders and dunkers getting in. Um, no, like that was 29. percent uh, hard contact rate, also a career high. He was contributing to it. However, however, uh, he's changed. He's gotten better. He has uh, turned a little bit of a corner, at least as far as I'm concerned. Tanner Roark has in his last three outings. They are not, they're not all starts. On July 8th, he pitched the innings four through eight um, on a relief roll. I think that was right before the All-Star break. Let me see. Yeah, that was right before the All-Star break. So they had to get him some innings. Uh, going into the break. So it was five innings, basically a start, five innings, three runs, four hits, zero walks, two two punchies. Um, but the last three outings, 18 innings, 11 hits, four walks, 18 strikeouts, just one homer allowed, eight runs allowed, but five of them earned. So he's got 250 ERA. So um, it's turning around. And even if you gave him the, the three unearned back, it's still a four ERA, which is not the end of the world and almost a full run better than, than he's been this year. Uh, what I really like, though, is is it's not just a little small sample stretch of like, oh, hey, you finally started to have some things going away. No, the pitches are markedly better. And he's talked about how he's got the feel for, for his secondary stuff back, particularly the slider. The slider had uh, a 712 OPS this year on 69 plate appearances. Nice. And the changeup had a 991 OPS on 57 plate appearances. Fastball and curveball were kind of doing their thing. They they were doing what they what they do, but those two pitches, the slider and changeup, were really hurting him. So far in in these last eighteen innings, the the slider has a two eighty six OPS in fourteen plate appearances, and the changeup has a one sixty seven in twelve plate appearances, and that's been huge. The fastball again performing adequately and the and the curveball's even gotten better but it was at 584 before and now it's at 357 during this last 18 innings the slider and the changeup are the are the difference makers there and again he said he's got the feel for them Tanner Roark does and that's what's helping spur him listen we've seen this guy go on extended stretches entire seasons of sub three ERA two different times 283 in 210 innings last year 285 in 198 and two-thirds innings back in 2014 it is not out of bounds for Tanner Roark to have a two-month stretch of a sub-3 ERA now that he's getting his pitches back. And, you know, you roll the ball out there and, and you keep a team under two under three runs, three runs or fewer, I should say, uh, you're going to pick up a lot of Ws on Washington. So that's even an added benefit. Now, here is the icing on the cake as far as I'm concerned and the reason I am actively seeking out Tanner Roark in any format right now. And it's scheduled to change, right? It is the schedule. Um, and, and a schedule can change. So uh, I, I want to be careful with it. But at the same time, they're going to play a ton of in-division. And that's not a very good division. In fact, it's a bad division. He's on the only good team in the division. Let me run it out. Let me just tell you what it's it's lining up as for Tanner Roark. And there's not – here's the thing. Even if it shuffles, there's not a lot of danger even if he gets off kilter and he shifts a different series. But as it currently stands, Tanner Roark has Colorado at home, home and home against Miami, at and then home. Uh, oh, let me just read it like this. Colorado, at Miami, home to Miami, home to San Francisco, at San Diego, home to the Mets, home to Miami, at Miami. Those are the next eight starts for Tanner Roark. Colorado won, sure. They have a good offense. Um, you know, it's not a complete walkover on the on the road this year, I don't think. Uh, I, I should actually check that out. I, I'm not entirely sure. They're usually obviously markedly worse on the road, but I wouldn't say that that's an automatic walkover just because on any given night they can still put up runs. But their their overall on the road isn't great for Colorado. But either way, fine. Even call that a hard one. I don't even care. 
Um, it's not true, but uh, but do it. The next seven, you get Miami four times, San Francisco, San Diego, and the Mets. Are you kidding me? That is juicy. That's some good stuff right there. I I, I dig it. And and he just went into to Arizona of all places and had a beast outing. I think it was his best outing of the season. Yep, it sure was. Seven innings, three hits, two runs, one walk, eleven strikeouts for Tanner Roark back on the twenty second. So over the weekend when they were when they were squaring off against Arizona in Arizona. So Tanner Roark, somebody I'm interested in uh, for sure. And I do not think that the price will be high at all. I think you can kind of get him as a throw in, in, in shallower mixed leagues. Like he does not have to be the central piece of a deal in a 10 or 12 team mixer. Hell, even in a 15 team mixer, he can be the central piece, but you're still not, you're not paying a ton. Um, but I think you should. I think you should entertain getting Tanner Roark. All right. And then the last one is Patrick Corbin, and you know he's been all right of late, especially. And he's the last one for a reason because I think it has the lowest probability. And you know, even if he goes off, I think it's still you know not the most obscene upside. But he can go off relative to where he's been. And, and be impact, you know, be an impact pitcher for you. If you look at his last eight starts for Patrick Corbin, 26% strikeout rate, 6% walk rate, 53% ground ball rate. Very Jimmy Nelson-esque, by the way, um, with the strikeout and ground ball rates both being excellent. 304 ERA, 137 whip. That's a little bit of danger, and it's because of the hits. 366 BABIP, 28% hard contact rate. But he does have a 36% O swing rate, so he's fooling guys. There's a lot of hits getting through there. And so it's a it's a that that's a pretty high batting average on balls in play that you would hope can kind of get back in his favor. Um, but let me see where it's at for the season. I think it's actually pretty high for the year. Yeah, 345 for the season. He was at 322 last year, 327 the year before. He's a career 314. So Patrick Corbin has never been, you know, a, a, a maintain a low BABIP sort of guy. So the whip might not be the best part. But ERA and even some strikeouts because he's up, up at 21% for the season with an 11% swinging strike rate. And like I said, 26% over these last eight starts for Patrick Corbin, which have been really strong. Um, hasn't allowed more than three earned in any of them. Now, the one where he did allow three earned, he only went four and two-thirds. So that wasn't a great game. But eight strikeouts, two walks. But he'd run up 109 pitches, so they had to take him out. The hits are the concern, because even in the eight games, it's five, eight, five, seven, seven, six, seven hits. So that's a little bit concerned. Uh, that was seven starts. I lied. The eight starts, um, it goes eight, five, eight, five, seven, seven, six, seven. Too many is what it is, if you want to add up the numbers. It's too many. 53 hits and 47 in a third. So that's concerning. Uh, that's, the, that's the one aspect I am concerned with on Corbin. But he's he's still been able to succeed in spite of it because he can get the ground balls when he needs them. Uh, I'm sure that helps him get out of jams and, and, and strand runners. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, 74% strand rate, left on base rate, 10, 10 percentage points higher than it was last year. And he's always been a guy that's pretty high on that, 78 and 76 the two years before that. Um, well, the two seasons that he pitched is actually – the first one was in 2013. Remember, he missed all of 2014. But I do like Corbin. And, again, hopefully – with the with the hitters, those are all pretty expensive in all league formats. I understand that. With the pitchers, hopefully, I gave you more of a well-rounded. Uh, you know, if you if you can afford the expensive guys, the mid, and then if not, go to the mid level, and if not, go to the low. So to review, it's Chris Archer, Carlos Carrasco, Jimmy Nelson, Garrett Cole, Tanner Roark, and Patrick Corbin. And then for the hitters, Corey Seager, Francisco Lindor, Edwin Encarnacion, Matt Carpenter, and Chris Davis. And again, these are guys for the stretch run that I believe can. Uh, perform well above their their level uh it, like they can get hot for you they can be game changers for you they've got the the skill set there to to really be game changers for you and and help your push toward your hopefully your fantasy title so and there's plenty of other guys too right put put yours in the comments the guys that you're looking at like this that you know aren't they haven't been the very best this year already because, again, it's easy to say that Mike Trout, you know, Aaron Judge or you know, Mookie Betts, things like that. But they've been the best. So we're looking at guys that just they're, they're, they're fine. 
they but they haven't been the most elite and we're hoping to put them in that elite category for the final two months here so hope you enjoyed it and i'll be back on thursday with eno peace <laughs>